Coming up on Studios America, it's Martin Luther King Day, so I wanted to grab a libertarian's perspective on his impact. We will bring in Eric July to discuss. The CDC continues its muddled and misguided efforts to keep us informed about the state of the pandemic, and the far left has spent decades co-opting the civil rights movement for their own devices. But what would the hero behind it all think today? Let's do MLK's legacy. Stu does America. It's Martin Luther King Day, and there's a lot to talk about. Obviously, racial matters are back in our faces, I think, more than they've been in a really long time. Uh, I thought we were at that point where we were trying to get past all of this, and then all of a sudden, it's all people talk about anymore. Seems to be skin color, skin color, skin color. It's the most important thing to everybody. I don't know when that started up again. I, I, I thought we were kind of advanced past all of this. In fact, at least, at the very least, I believe we were a society that, stro- like, I don't know, strived to get past it. I thought we all agreed on the end goal, but, you know, we acknowledged that from time to time, certain individuals would fall down on the job. It's part of life, right? We kind of understood that, but the idea that we could get to a place where there'd be minimal uh, individuals who believed that type of thing, uh, the, the, uh, the idea that race was important, uh, I thought that was in the past, honestly. I, I, sometimes I think, uh, I, I rethink about moments in my life where I thought things like this, and I'm like, gosh, I was really, really just naive. I really thought we all kind of had the same goals, and, you know, we understood things might go wrong from time to time, but we're all striving for the same thing. Well, that's not true, obviously. We, we, you know, I don't need to sell you on this after we've done show after show after show about things like critical race theory that take skin color and take them from the point where they were supposed to be, which was unimportant completely, and make them into the only thing that matters. Your identity, what you identify as, all of these things have become the, I don't know, essence of humanity when I think it's supposed to be the opposite. Now, one thing that is important for you to know is that racism is collectivism. You can't have racism if you're an individualist. We're going to talk to Eric July here in a little bit, and we're going to get into this. But you really can't, because if you're judging people as individuals, racism doesn't work. It doesn't fit. It doesn't make any sense. That's judging people as groups. It's grouping people in as one of their immutable characteristics and basically judging them as a member of a group rather than an individual. And that means you're doing something wrong. You're doing life wrong when you do that type of thing. I, uh, I hate that, honestly. I mean, we've said this before, and I'll, I'll say it before, I'll set it up again. You should take a moment and think about this, and I doubt that you violate this because it's 2021 in the United States of America, but the bottom line is you should never, ever, in your entire life, ever, make a single decision, ever, based on skin color. There's no reason to. What, what, what decision could possibly... What possible decision could be made with the influence of skin color. It's just not important. But it is now to the modern left. In fact, it's the only thing that's important to the modern left. Um, we have this uh, in uh, today from Salon. Once again, Republicans will try to claim MLK. But if he were here, they despise him. Well, you know what? It is MLK Day. So, uh, I mean, I'm an, a registered independent, but I can still try to claim MLK. And I will. Because you know what? The left seems to hate him. The left seems to hate the things he stood for. The left seems to hate the idea that people could be judged by the content of their character and not the color of their skin. They seem to despise it. 
And it is not going to be long until just like Benjamin Franklin and uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln statues have been torn down, MLK statues will go with them because they will see the idea of being judged as an individual by the content of your character. They will see that eventually as some conservative trope. We've already seen it in all of this woke literature. Wokeness is weakness. And we look at the wokeness that is going on right now. You look at the literature, look at these classes. What do they say? Over and over and over again, they say the opposite of MLK's message. They say that whiteness is the enemy. What does that mean for an individual? If you're a white person, you have to be deconstructed. The idea of whiteness applies to white people, not to individuals. Racism doesn't apply to uh, to individuals. It applies to all people of certain groups, which to me strikes me as very much racism. That's at least the old definition of it. That's what I used to think racism was. That's what I was taught to believe growing up. I was taught to believe that judging people and treating them differently based on their skin color, that was the enemy. It's the thing we are fighting against. When people did it, we looked at them negatively. We laughed at them. We mocked them. We derided them. Because that is not a, a sufficient uh, um, uh, input to make any decision. It just is dumb, you know? I mean, Dr. Seuss wrote the star-bellied sneetches. We were supposed to realize this after that book. That was the book. Yeah, you had the MLK speech. I don't know if Dr. Seuss gets a day. But Dr. Seuss basically said, hey, don't judge people by the stupid stars on their bellies. And here we are judging people by the stars on their bellies. And now it's the only way to do it. Um, and I'm, I'm, I feel like part of this is just we have lost track uh, of what people actually believe. Do people want that world? I know from MSNBC and CNN, I constantly hear from people who want this world. They want a world where whiteness is being attacked. They want a world where people think about their race 24 hours a day and see every issue through some weird racial prism. That's the world that they want. But do every, does everybody want that? Jesse Single is someone who is on the, uh, who's on the left. Uh, and he writes, he had a tweet that I thought was pretty interesting, talking about how we view these things in the world and what's the truth? What are people really like? He writes, the Democratic Party sucks, is addicted to losing, is full of whiny losers, and I'm annoyed that it's my only viable option as an American liberal who doesn't want to waste his vote. Two and a half stars. Uh, He goes on, though, to show uh, that this disconnect is really important. The disconnect between what we are told people believe and what they actually believe. The level of just sheer, profound, crippling disconnect from everyday Americans. I never would have had any idea about these figures because if you consume liberal media, you are almost systematically misled about what the country values, wants, and prioritizes. And let me give you what uh, he was looking at here. Uh, among Among the black population, among black voters, only 41% think the bigger problem with American democracy is that it's too hard to vote rather than voting regulations are not strict enough. In other words, too easy to vote. Among Hispanics, uh, that that number is even more dramatic, 34%. In a Monmouth poll, 84% of non-whites said they supported requiring photo ID for voting. This is... These are some numbers you might be familiar with, but I don't think you maybe realize how unfamiliar the other side is with them. They think that it's 
the the right thing to do to judge African-Americans and say, hey, these guys just can't get their IDs. It's impossible. Now, to me, it's completely racist to say that you don't think black people can get IDs. I mean, it's just completely racist to assume that's the case. However, they do all the time. They act as if these are hateful regulations. What obviously when you, there's so many things in our life that we go out and get uh, need an ID for. I mean, they want, they, they want you to have a QR code to show your vaccine status to walk into a restaurant, but you don't have to have any evidence of anything to go cast a vote. Does that make any sense at all? Of course not. These, these, these opinions are not supposed to make sense. They're not supposed to work together. There's no need to have them work together because you have the media and you can just continually justify your own positions over and over and over again. But these are the real opinions of African-American voters, non-white voters. He also goes on and says this from 2019 is one of my favorite examples of this dynamic in action. If you're the average MSNBC viewer, you never in a trillion years would have thought this is what black and Latino Americans think about race based affirmative action in college admissions. So what do they think about those uh, priorities in college admissions? Majorities across racial and ethnic groups say colleges should not consider race in admissions. Overall, only 7% of adults believe race should be a major factor in college admissions. Is that what MSNBC makes you feel like? Only 4% of whites believe that, but only 18% of black voters think race should be a major factor in college admissions. Only 18%. Another 20% believes it should be a minor factor. So you figure if there's two candidates, one's white, one, one's black, maybe you give the advantage, uh, all things being equal, to the minority who has had uh, you know, this legacy of, of, of discrimination and such. But still, it's only 38% that want it to be any factor at all. 62% of black voters say they don't want race to be a factor in college admissions at all. That's the overwhelming majority of a group of people who are voting 90% for Democrats. Yet we are told if you oppose a policy like that, you're the racist. Are they also racists? No, because they believe in themselves a lot more than the Democrats believe in them. And that's the problem here. You look back at what MLK's legacy may or may not be, and you see how the Democrats are constantly pushing and pushing and pushing to try to utilize uh, this legacy to fit whatever policy they have today. Now, you know, do we have happen to have the uh, Joe Biden uh, Jim Crow 2.0 clip? I don't know if we have that handy, but if we do, uh, Jim Crow 2.0 is this thing they've been saying over and over again to describe uh, these voting changes in, in mainly red states. Watch. Jim Crow 2.0 is about two insidious things. Okay. Voter suppression oh. and election subversion. Right. Mm-hmm. It's no longer about who gets to vote. Mm. It's about making it harder to vote. Mm. It's about who gets to count the vote. Oh. And whether your vote counts at all. Right. It's not hyperbole. This is a fact. It is hyperbole. It's always hyperbole. Whenever he says it's not hyperbole, it's always hyperbole. That's Joe Biden rule number one. Every time he says it, it's the truth. Um, But what's interesting here is how they will utilize these racial scars from years ago and try to antagonize people, try to make them believe that their country is a terrible place. This is the president of the United States of America telling you that this country is so incredibly racist that Jim Crow is basically back in effect. Now, of course, as we all will remember, Jim Crow 
implemented almost entirely by Democrats. But they don't want you to remember that part of it. Just erase that part of history. Let's move on. Uh, And we'll point the finger at Republicans. They don't want black people to vote. Well, do black people not want black people to vote? Why do 84% of them then support voter ID laws? Why? Because they realize it's just overtly rational. Every single person who wants to vote should be able to vote uh, if they are legally qualified to do so. That is really important. It's a fundamental uh, part of this uh, country, and it's a part that everybody should be able to get on board with. But we have seen a movement in the past 10 to 20 years of massive easing of restrictions to vote. It's much, much easier to vote now than it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago. It's much, much easier, not harder, easier. In fact, it's easier almost everywhere than it was in 2018. The only thing you ever talk about when you hear these voting restrictions is changes from the pandemic era. The 2020 election where some things were wildly opened up because people didn't know what was coming with a pandemic. They were always supposed to be one-time measures. Some of those have been slightly pulled back, but more than two times as many uh, bills have been introduced to loosen rules, not restrict them. This is just fake. And so as the left pushes for things like critical race theory, pushes for these, uh, these rules where people are taught that skin color should be the top of, of the mountain, the number one thing you should think about every single day. When that goes on and on and on and on in your face over and over again, remember that this is flies in the very face of what MLK wanted and demanded in his most famous speech. He said he wanted people to be treated, uh, judged by the content of their character. And more specifically, what does that mean? It means to be judged as an individual, not as a member of a group. The problem was not, uh, you know, what they would pitch at you today is is the issue with racism. The problem was people who were African-American were being judged unfairly based on the color of their skin. They would be seen as, oh, well, he's a black person, therefore X, Y, and Z. That was what the enemy was. And as we've tried to move past that, the left, the Democratic Party, the party responsible for all of the things being faced at the time, the KKK and Jim Crow and so many other things, voting restrictions of that era, that same party is trying to drag us back into the era and have people once again judge each other by the color of their skin instead of the content of their character. Well, I reject that completely. At this point, it's hard to say anything other than MLK is a conservative figure. Someone who pushes would be pushing back against what the left is trying to do. It would be completely bonkers to Martin Luther King Jr. to sit back and say, wait a minute, they want us to use skin color as the reason? They want us to be judged by the color of our skin? It flies completely in the face of everything the guy stood for. And while the left will continue to manipulate his legacy to hold on to that uh, idea that they are the ones in the right and these policies are, are somehow humane, in the end, I think it's going to be seen the opposite way. So every day, you should do the same thing that I think you probably do uh, every other day on Martin Luther King Day or, or otherwise. Judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. America. 
Now that we can actually get out of the house and travel a little bit, take some vacations, you may want to celebrate some of your favorite times by turning your new memories that you're making now into art. I've done this before. I have um, our family went on a vacation to, to the to the beach, and we have this. I have this one picture of my kids, and they are standing under a pier, and the pier is kind of in the background. And I just love the picture because you know it's just a great memory of that vacation. Well, we turned it into art. We were able to get a professional hand-painted portrait created from the photo that we chose at a really affordable price. And you can combine photos. You can uh, combine photos of people uh, over generations. Uh, it's a really cool gift. Uh, and also, it is something that you can go basically choose from world-class artists and work with them until every detail is perfect. They have a user-friendly platform that makes it easy to order a custom, handmade, hand-painted portrait in less than five minutes. It makes the perfect birthday, anniversary, or wedding gift at PaintYourLife.com. There's no risk. So if you don't love the final painting, it's not what you were expecting, well, your money is refunded. It's guaranteed. You're going to love it. And right now, they have limited limited time offer, 20% off your painting, 20% off going on right now, and free shipping as well. Get the special offer. Text the word STEW to 64000. Uh, the word is STEW. That happens to be my, my name as well. 64,000 is the place to text it. Text STEW to 64,000. Terms apply. Available at paintyourlife.com slash terms. So text the word STEW to 64,000 and paint your life today. Happy to welcome Eric July back to the program. He's a Blaze TV contributor and host of For Canon's Sake, the podcast. Eric, how's it going? I'm doing great. I can't complain, brother. How you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Before we start, uh, let me allow you to give you an opportunity here uh, to give a eulogy on another season of Cowboys football. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to. I can't even attempt to do that. Uh, they got what they deserve. Let's just say that they got what they deserve. Was, everything they deserve. As an Eagles fan, uh, ours, our, our season ended in like we were we had our throats slit as soon as we walked through the door and you were slowly tortured as you yeah. entered the room. But either way, it ends in death. It's sad. Yes. Either way. Either way. It's, it's, it's an ill regardless. <laughs> it really is. Um, all right. Let me talk. Let me talk to you a little bit about uh, the, the legacy of Martin Luther King here, <laughs> because the left will tell us that what he wanted was uh, apparently the focus of all of our lives to be nothing but race. Uh, and I don't know. I grew up to think the opposite. What's the truth here? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously the the you you can make the argument with Martin Luther King Jr. that he more so just wanted people to just to be looked at as individuals. That's ultimately what it was about. Um, so when you hear, you know, the I had a dream speech and the aspect of looking at people for the content of the that's what he's speaking about mm -hmm. he's speaking specifically about uh, uh, looking at people as if they are individuals and let and allowing other things to be the deciding uh, a factor like your actions your accomplishments lack thereof uh, being what people let's say actually judge you judge you by. And I would argue that that's actually a more liberty minded way of looking at say what you will about Dr. King and his economics uh, approach that in itself, uh, what we're referring to is looking at people as an individual is ultimately what folks like myself want. Um, and certainly, certainly others. So it's certainly something worth, worth striving for, but yes, to your point, the authoritarian left especially has been more so obsessed uh, with race and they've run the complete opposite way of that sort of messaging. And that's because they don't look at people as individuals at all. They more so look at people as, as being defined by things that they didn't accomplish, be it their race, gender, 
um, or whatever it is. And that's primarily the determining factor as to how you should be and, and will be judged. And it's, it's absolutely silly. Yeah, I, I wanted to get into that a little bit because I think that certainly the points made by Martin Luther King happened in a dynamic where there were real issues between black people and white people, generally speaking. Um, and so it's framed in that black versus white sort of uh, sort of framework, I guess. But like mm-hmm. really the framework I think is appropriate to look at it is is individualism versus collectivism. The, what mm-hmm. racism is, is a really negative uh, um, creation of a collectivist idea where you see people as members of a group rather than individuals. And he wasn't arguing for black people to have more rights than white people. He was arguing for them to be on equal footing, uh, right. to be treated as individuals. And I think that part of his message has been totally lost, lost by the modern left. Yeah, I mean, the modern left has hijacked, and it's not just with Martin Luther King Jr. in that regard. He's, they're high, they've hijacked um, even some of the the, the messaging of, of Brother Malcolm X, which I would subscribe to a, a little more in my personal space regarding the approach, because a lot of folks, unfortunately, looked at like Brother Malcolm X um, and Martin Luther King Jr., uh, but more so Brother Malcolm X, they looked at him as like a more militant Martin Luther King Jr., they look at like uh, this approach to like separatism and all of that. And it just goes to show that they have. And even though they act like they adore Malcolm, they don't even uh, act and they never really listen to what it is that he said. And to be fair, the people that claim to be in opposition of Malcolm didn't do a good job uh, of actually assessing what it was that he said. It doesn't matter pre-Mecca or post uh, especially post-Mecca. But with both of those guys, as well as a lot of other other black black leaders, um, uh, they've been unfortunately misunderstood. It's been hijacked by the authoritarian left in terms of their messaging. And right now it's about race, 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 race. And they're using the state, unfortunately, to try to build this sort of world and correct problems that aren't even actually there. And quite often you had issues that the state was utilized in, in race relations to actually create. And it seems like they want this sort of same idea, but they just want to benefit or want another side to benefit, which is why it seems like an overcorrection in a lot of instances where you look at things like racism and particularly in that era where you look at the state, Jim Crow, being utilized to endorse and sanction racism. Well, the solution, of course, is to get rid of those laws or uh, um, ideas that allow that sort of stuff to, to manifest. But now they're using that to allow these sort of racial division and all these moronic concepts to manifest in the world today. Uh, they just think they're on the right side of history. I think they're the good guys when I can easily make the argument that they're not. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that argument's making itself on a, on a daily basis. Um, you know, MLK is the guy who everyone seems to talk about. And obviously he's, he's the big name. He's got the holiday, um, you know, and it's it's sort of turned into this thing where, both sides pull at trying to to grab onto that sort of brand name. Um, but when we talk about black leaders and maybe one that is not uh, not talked about nearly enough is over your left shoulder right now. Thomas Sowell brought a totally different message uh, of empowerment to African-Americans and everybody. Why is Thomas Sowell such an important figure? 
Man, I mean, Thomas Sowell is one of his two guys that, I, of course, attribute kind of my line of thinking or me getting on the right track and thinking about these uh, efforts, including on subjects of race and thinking about them more critically. And that's, of course, Dr. Walter E. Williams re- recently passed. Rest in peace. And the person that you see behind my shoulder, and that's uh, Thomas Sowell, who is an absolute genius um, in his own regards. And unfortunately, he is not looked to your point. Two, despite him being around for so long, a lot of people don't know, like he's pushing, he might have already turned night. He's pushing 90 uh, uh, years old, Thomas. So he's been around for a very long time and he grew up in the same in the same sort of um, uh, uh, like dynamics. And he, despite persevering and just being an absolute genius, he is not looked at because he doesn't have the right ideas. And I mean that like in the way that they use the term, he doesn't he doesn't have like the correct idea. So they don't look to him in the same like um, uh, glory that they look at, uh, fortunately, as as a lot of other black leaders when he has had. So, I mean, when you talk about just being an individualist and, and, and obviously being able to break down these subject matters, he, had a, he has a very knack for doing exactly that particularly on the subject of economics and breaking it down for just any Joe Blow. It's not about graphs and all of that, but for any Joe Blow to understand, you would think that this man would be respected along those lines, but the left likes to think of him as like this evil, evil sort of person because, to be fair, they haven't read a, a, a damn thing by by Thomas Sowell, but they wouldn't give it a time of day because he's not sitting here uh, uh, becoming a victim or presenting himself as a victim um, in that regards, which is, again, is hilarious. He should be one of the most respected black black uh, uh, intellects uh, ever, to be to be honest. And unfortunately, he's not uh, by the authoritarian left. Mm, very strange. Um, one more here before we let you go, Eric. One thing that I thought was really interesting is you go back back in the day, back in King's day, where you saw parts of the country who really were doing horrific things uh, to, mm. uh, you know, when you think of the lunch counters, for example, um, you know, think of buses, all these terrible things that were going on where African-Americans were legitimately discriminated against. Uh, they were not able yes. to do these basic functions of life because of the color of their skin. And now we, we advance, you know, 50 years, 60 years from some of these times. And what we see now is in a place like New York City, they are checking paperwork to see if you have the, the vaccine, whether to allow people into restaurants. And as we've seen with polling on this over and over again, partially because of this history, minority groups are generally less trusting of, of, uh, of the government generally, and specifically of medical interventions by the government for good reason. Um, and you know, so this is affecting African-Americans at a higher rate. And here we are again in a big liberal mecca of New York City, once again, keeping African-Americans out of restaurants. I mean, how is this happening again? Yeah, it's funny how they looked at like what they call the, the voting rights using that loosely. And they said that that was kind of this whole Jim Crow uh, 2.0. They looked at like the Georgia law or whatever. And that was some sort of <laughs> Jim Crow 2.0. And no, Jim Crow 2.0 looks like this. Uh, what you're seeing right now, where you have you're trying to build a two tiered society. We have the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated and using the government, using the state to separate them and to impose certainly unfair 
unreasonable things upon people that are not vaccinated or rather because people, uh, depending on their vaccination status, you actually are using the government to punish them because this has absolutely nothing to do uh, with science. And honestly, this isn't even what some business owners and some what uh, and some want. So what we have right now that like you, you talk about in New York City and pockets like that, that's Jim Crow 2.0. And to your point, yeah, it does impact those uh, people more often. You've seen like in New York City, you look at the rates. Um, rates are obviously higher in terms of not being vaccinated among uh, black people. Like you mentioned, when you consider the history of, of, of jabs being used to target that community, it's certainly reasonable for them to not not want that. But it's not just with this. I mean, I, I would argue historically this has been the case. You look at laws like minimum wage that have unfortunately been advocated by the left who claims to champion uh, uh, mi- minority groups, if you will. And these have been historically it's funny. We talk about Thomas Sowell. He's been he's well documented. This uh, historically has been some of the most disastrous policies that have impacted the the well-being, the growth of of black Americans uh, certainly in this country. So uh, they have a, a mountain of just disastrous policies that they advocate. And this is just yet another one that they present as if this is helping you. But unfortunately, uh, it applies like this new burden upon them. And of course, they will be far better off if these laws or legislation or in this case, some executive action. And that is uh, maxed in the name of some sort of humanitarian effort uh, or whatever that is. It's, they've just been historically disastrous. And it just goes show that they don't care about black people, I guess, in the, in the words of Kanye. <laughs> Eric July, Blaze TV contributor, host of For Canon's Sake, the podcast. Make sure to check it out and subscribe. Eric, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate you having me as always. In a culture of increasing sources of misinformation, it's now more important than ever for parents to raise inquisitive children who ask their own questions and find their own answers. Annie's Genius Box is an excellent way to encourage your kids' curiosity while providing fun activities that are as entertaining as they are educational. Each month, your little young kid scientists will get a new box bursting with three hands-on activities to explore an exciting STEM theme like geology or chemistry or aerodynamics or more. And it's not like school. Like this is like easy uh, because I mean, I'm saying as a parent, trying to get your kid to do schoolwork is hard, but as a parent, it's easy to get them to do this because it's awesome. They love it. Genius Box can empower your kid's imagination and critical thinking skills. Uh, They have a top secret mission envelope in every box. It'll walk you through multiple amazing projects each month. Annie'sKitClubs.com slash stew is the place to go to get this. Uh, Save 50% off your first box if you use that special address. Annie'sKitClubs.com slash stew. Save 50%, and that's how they know you like this stupid show. So please go there. Annie'sKitClubs.com slash stew. Annie'sKitClubs.com slash stew. Uh, in uh, Albuquerque, they have postponed today's MLK Outdoor March um, because, you know, COVID. But then other like football games and uh, other indoor events were allowed to go on. Now, if you've watched this show since, I don't know, March 2020, you'd probably know the fact that no case of outdoor transmission of COVID-19 has ever been documented outside of uh, close uh, conversation when occurring outdoors. Um, that's just, it's just, there's never been one case ever documented. Not one, the entire pandemic. 
yet they still are postponing outdoor events, which seems a bit strange. The CDC has made a new pronouncement as well. They said um, that they wanted to cancel football and band in every U.S. school. Uh, they're now being it's now being called uh, unrealistic. Uh, they people uh, have they've I mean, like football, wrestling, band and loads of other mainstay school activities should be canceled because of this possible spread of COVID-19. You know, I saw one of our friends uh, of the program, Josh Hammer, wrote a I think it was an op ed um, that basically said, look, the, the proper strategy right now is let her rip. <laughs> you know, I mean, like everybody, you know, is sick already. We just got to let her rip and get through this. Um, and, you know, there's questions about that before, before we got to this point with Omicron, where it's so transmissible and so many people are getting it sort of out of nowhere. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, we have no choice but to follow that strategy. There is no other option. We can all put ourselves in a bubble, I guess, and never see another human being. But outside of that, uh, I don't know that there's any way uh, to stop this uh, transmission. It really does seem to be going around like crazy. Now, you know, you could do things to make the eager experience with Omicron a little bit better. Uh, so far, I haven't caught it, I don't think, at least. Um, but that's, uh, I, I, as far as I know, I'm the only person in the world. Uh, everyone else in the world has caught this. That's my, that's my understanding of the situation anyway. Uh, so, I mean, obviously a completely ridiculous ask. And now the CDC is already backing off of it yet again because they are the worst organization as far as communication in history. Now, I did need to use that uh, addendum because the worst organization in history would be, of course, the Dallas Cowboys, who lost yesterday in the uh, playoffs. I'm going to totally, there was no games before it. So it was the first game of the day. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys uh, losing to the San Francisco 49ers. I didn't notice any games previous to that. So if you have more information, you know, whatever. But uh, the Cowboys lost in this game. Dak Prescott, though, is getting in some trouble. He's the quarterback for the Cowboys. Now, he should be getting in trouble for idiotically running uh, down the middle of the field with 14 seconds left and then not being able to get another playoff as they lose the uh, their yet another season in dramatic fashion. But what I would add to that is he, in the press conference after, he was asked about fans throwing stuff at players, and he was like, ah, oh, this is terrible. And then they said, well, uh, actually they were throwing it at the refs. And he says, oh, well, then good on them. Uh, I give him credit. <laughs> and, you know, everybody laughs, and he looks at the camera in deadpan. And, and it's like people are beating him up. Now, I... I have no problem with even reckless beating up of Dallas Cowboys players for their actions. But come on, can the guy not make a freaking joke? He just lost a, 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 a dramatic game. Uh, their season's over. He's annoyed at some of the calls in the game, even though I don't necessarily know that he has a great argument with some of them. But the bottom line is let the guy make a freaking joke. You know he doesn't actually advocate for people hitting refs with bottles. We all understand this. Can we just relax a little bit? Is there any way we can calm down as a society? My guess is absolutely not. Over 90% of doctors say their patients have used CBD to treat a health condition. And when 9 out of 10 patients use it, it speaks volumes about what they believe is going on here. I mean, how safe and effective can it be? Uh, let me tell you about CBDistillery.com. With over 2 million customers and counting, CB Distillery is the source to trust if you're looking for CBD. If you have sleeping problems, uh, when they did surveys, 90% of CB Distillery customers said they sleep better with CBD. If you have nagging discomfort, the same survey states 80% of their customers found that 
CBD helped that as well. Go to cbdistillery.com. You can order online with no prescription required. Enter SDA for Stu Does America, SDA for 20% off. When you go to cbdistillery.com, 20% off right now with the code SDA at cbdistillery.com. It's cbdistillery.com, not available in Idaho, Iowa, and South Dakota. Wherever you listen to the podcast, rate and review, five stars is the appropriate number of stars. This one comes in, not sure who's better, yours or no news and why it matters. A steel cage fight would be epic. Seriously, thanks to my wife, I'm listening more and more of the Blaze Media and I can't get enough. I will say, I don't, we do not need a, a cage match because uh, Sarah would definitely kick my ass. So, uh, This comes from YouTube. You can comment on the show live on YouTube. Don Lee says, the real great reset is when aliens invade the Earth and erase humanity. It's true. It's coming. Um, Megan writes, I am sending positive thoughts thoughts Glenn's way. That's a surprise. That doesn't usually happen. Uh, I hope he recovers from this fast because no matter what the illness is, it's not fun to have. Haters hate because their lives suck worse than those they are hating. You got this, Glenn. Yeah, Glenn had to leave today during the show. Wasn't feeling well. Uh, he's still trying to kick the COVID thing. Uh, he's in a, in a nonstop battle with Omicron, but he's doing okay and he'll, he'll be fine. But it's just, you know, it takes a while. This thing does really suck. We wanted to highlight something, though, that we've been doing for years and years and years and years. Go back probably almost 20 years now. Uh, Glenn uh, and, and honoring Martin Luther King in a way that only he can, looking at this from a completely different perspective. It's MLK Day, so we'll give you to that. We'll give you that uh, coming up here in just a second. that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Now is the time to rise from the dark and desolate valley of segregation to the sunlit path of racial justice. Now is the time to lift our nation from the quicksands of racial injustice to the solid rock of brotherhood. Now is the time to make justice a reality for all of God's children. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know the night Dr. Martin Luther King has been shot and wounded, possibly critically wounded, in Memphis, Tennessee this evening. Dr. Martin Luther King, the apostle of nonviolence in the civil rights movement, has been shot to death in Memphis, Tennessee. An all-points bulletin for a well-dressed young white man seen running from the scene. Running from the scene. For centuries, man's freedom has been crushed, contained, or at best discouraged, and sometimes in subtle ways. In the days of Solomon, he decried that man could learn too much, that one shouldn't dig too deeply nor read too often, saying that too much reading led to the weariness of the flesh, that the search for knowledge is where Adam and Eve went wrong thus proving that learning leads to man's downfall or his sin. 
St. Paul centuries later said basically the same thing. In 1500, Francis Bacon wrote to the king trying to convince him that man could never learn too much, that knowledge could not somehow also contain the serpent. Yet free thought continued to be squashed. Immanuel Kant, the man who first described the Milky Way as a collection of suns in the fashion that we now know it, wrote in 1760, there are many things that I believe that I shall never say, but I shall never say the things that I do not believe. The courage to speak one's mind. In 1760, our most precious freedom, the freedom of thought, had not yet been born. Yet, just a few years later, on the other side of the globe, sat a man alone in a hotel room, his wife dying in bed hundreds of miles away from him. As he scratched words on paper, we find these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, with certain unalienable rights given to them by their creator, among them life, liberty, and property. It was later changed to the pursuit of happiness to make sure the slave trade would finally come to an end. I'm not sure if we really understand the impact of those words. Man has never been as free to think as man is now. The Chinese dissidents didn't make a Statue of Liberty in Tiananmen Square out of happenstance. Americans changed the world. Our freedom of thought allowed men to discover electricity, the light bulb, the car, the phone, the motion picture, the radio, the television, the computer, to put a man on the moon. Which of these men will be first to orbit the Earth? I cannot tell you. And a spacecraft on Mars. It was in the American century that the theory of relativity was conceived, leading Einstein to say, the thing that strikes me about America is the joyous, positive attitude to life. The smile on the faces of the people is one of the greatest assets of the American. He's friendly, self-confident, optimistic, and without envy. The American lives more for his goals, for the future. Life for him is always becoming, never being. His emphasis is laid on the we and never the I. So today, as we are free to celebrate, relax, think, read, say anything, ask yourself this, are we still more about the goals for the future? Is life for us always about becoming and never being? And are we still part of the we and not the I? You know, when Jefferson first wrote those words, they were words of treason and certain execution. But today they are free to echo throughout the land as words of the American spirit and our hope that we do hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights and among them life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And in support of this declaration, with firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. 
Our founders changed the world with those few words. And over 200 years later, a black preacher from the South, Dr. Martin Luther King, helped make sure that the promise of liberty was real for all Americans. Free at last. Free at last. Free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty. Thank God Almighty. We are free at last. We are free at last.